Welcome to the Not Work Storytelling Podcast. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a word witch, a writing coach, a story healer, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, a woman's way to freedom, power, love, and magic. Mythology and folklore are medicine for the modern soul. Let's hear today's story and explore why it still matters. Before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to tell you about Storyweaver Book Coaching. This is support for memoirists, thought leaders, and creative entrepreneurs at the beginning of their writing journey. You've got stories to tell. You feel like you've got a book inside of you. Before you can weave your visions into the chapters and birth this book into the world, you've got a lot of untangling and imagining to do. And that's where I come in. I can help you explore your personal experiences, get clear on your big ideas, and get clarity on what makes your book unique and compelling. I'm here as a sounding board and a thought partner. I'll ask tough questions and also give you a safe space to land. When it's time to start putting words on the page, I can be your trusted first set of eyes, and we can begin to craft your manuscript together. Learn more over at my website, marisagowdy.com. Let's talk and see if Storyweaver Book Coaching might be just what you're looking for. Season 2, Episode 15, Three Goddesses Walk Into a Bar I closed this season of Not Work Storytelling as I opened it with a solo episode and my own story that's inspired by Irish lore, but is entirely my own invention. In episode one of this season, I shared an excerpt from my novel in progress, The Bog Above. This time, I share a section from my 2020 book, The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. By the way, if you're hearing this episode the week it goes live, I want you to know that the ebook edition of The Sovereignty Knot is free over on Amazon from November 2nd through 6th. In the Irish, they say, Tashi Dalba? Isn't she bold? Now, I feel a little bit that way about this story, but I also trust the imbus, the inspiration that brought these iconic characters, these venerable deities who were all born before the history we know ever began. I trust that the inspiration that brought these through is honest and true. And somewhere, somehow, I am supposed to find the bravery to tell this tale. Plus, it's the Celtic season of Samhain, when one year ends and the other begins, when the veil between the worlds is thinnest. Who says this isn't all possible right now? Two goddesses walk into a bar. One is cloaked in sunlight, the other in moon. No, no, this is not a joke. It's a story. And as Elizabeth Cunningham, who was a guest earlier this season, says it, a story is true if it's well told. At least that's what Maeve, the Celtic Mary Magdalene, taught us. I can only pray that I do these immortal women justice. Now these two goddesses, one is a darling of the church and a patroness to the pagans too. The other is slightly more obscure, but she's every bit as powerful and sovereign. One is the keeper of life and truth. The other one is too. There is Bridget with the gold-kissed hair. You can call her Saint Bridget if you really must. And then we have the woman with the jet-black mane. Many call her the Morrigan, 
but her friends, they call her more. I do too. The Christians never bothered trying to domesticate her. The reason why will be clear shortly. These two divine beings are amongst the oldest, and many would say the most powerful, sovereignty goddesses the Celtic world ever did see. And they're just getting their pints. Now, you might think that the creature who would someday be known as the Abbess of Kildare, and was even ordained a bishop despite being a member of the frightening, not frail, sex, might sip a nice sherry or perhaps a small glass of white wine. Not so. Barkeep! Bridget called in a voice that would get the cows in from the furthest pasture. A lager. And do tell me it will be crisp and cold. I've had a hell of a day out there in the sun. Hanging my cloak on random beams of light isn't as effortless as I make it look. My sister, though. More? The usual? Ah, yes. I know I risk being predictable. But yes, a pint of the black stuff. More spoke in the low, rich sort of voice of a being who knows she'll be heard and obeyed. And so, the fellow behind the bar set about making sure the dark goddess of death and rebirth, of battle and prophecy, had her perfect pour of stout. And then he set a nice cold one before the bright goddess of creativity, milk, childbirth, smithcraft, and yes, beer and brewing. He watched nervously as they clinked their glasses and raised them to their lips. He was about to start whinging that he only pulled the pints and couldn't be held responsible for their quality— but they silenced him with a shared look. These ladies had had quite enough of male fragility and all the bloody male domination of the last several millennia, and they would be quite content to take it out on the first man who gave them an excuse. He muttered about tending to some business in the back and disappeared from the room. The goddesses continued as if he hadn't been there at all. "'Have you seen the news?' asked Bridget. Moore cocked an eyebrow and looked at her companion over the rim of her glass. Oh, come on. I thought we were going to have a nice drink and a chat. You know me in the news these days. Laughing, Bridget says, yes, yes, you were making news before they had paper to print it on. I was too. But there's something happening over there. Oh, it's not on the Twitter, is it? I will not engage in a conversation about mortals if we have to discuss the Twitter. To think they consider that a worthy place to wage battle. Not for you, O mother of the battlefield, O mistress of the raven and the crow. Moore fixed Bridget with a stare that melted flesh from the bones of warriors. Bridget grinned back with the confidence of a divine being who could carry the cornerstone of a cathedral over her arm and dove back into the question at hand. No, said Bridget, this has nothing to do with those silly glowing squares these people need to divine the future. As if looking up to the sky or staring into the flames wasn't good enough for them. She snorted and shook herself before she embarked on a fresh rant. No, no, there's something going on with the women. They're holding their heads higher. They're remembering different stories. The words are taking new shape on their tongues. Is it what we've been longing for, sister? Asked Moore, finally dropping her armor enough to look interested. Dare I say it is? Are they saying the word? Bridget nodded. Wait. We've been waiting so long. Which word? Goddess? Ah, they've got a good hold on that one. It's on t-shirts and things. Feminism? 
Oh, they scrawl that across their breasts, too. But they still have that double bind. When they speak up and act out and stop trying to be so pleasant about their revolutionary politics, the mob gets all agitated and starts worrying about what they insist on calling the F-word. Ah, for fuck's sake, it must be orgasm then. Have they finally copped on that the goddesses gave them feminism, and the clitoris, for that matter, because we need them to know pleasure? Turns out, they found a way to commodify the orgasm, so they're covered in that department. Some of the little toys they devised are quite ingenious, said Bridget. What then, growled Moore. If you say it fast enough, my eyes are up here, you fucker. Is that a word? (laughs) Oh, you make me laugh, beloved. As long as women have teats and men have eyes, the girls have been using that phrase. Come on, this is all good fun, but I worry you're being deliberately obtuse. Sweet breath of thunder. Wait, have they got it sorted, finally? Do they remember how to ask the question and answer it themselves? Indeed they have, Mavornin. What women want. Moore trailed off in a whisper of ecstasy. They held their glasses in the air, a last great gulp left at the bottom of each. They crashed them together, and before they downed their drinks, they sighed together. Sovereignty. Asked and answered in the same breath now by a growing circle of women, said Bridget. Will they forget, do you think? asked Moore. Of course they will. They are human women, after all. They've got jobs and babies and lovers and stacks of books to read. They still have to grind through the jaws of the patriarchy each day, just like we did on our last days on Earth. Their world is still built for the forgetting and the oblivion and the suffering. But I have a feeling about this crowd. I have a feeling... Tell me, Bridget, interrupted Moore, what makes them different? Ah, said Bridget, they're not just looking for the crown, and they want more than to just get by. These women are looking for more than a good time, though damn, they're enjoying themselves when they have a chance. They're not going to be satisfied just to say their little prayers and to tuck into their cozy little lives. They're not just in it for themselves or for the tribe that made them. They're looking at each other, as well as the earth and the sky. They're looking for more. The dark goddess pushed her curls from her forehead and offered a crooked smile. I see what you did there. (sighs) Well, of course they are. I might even make it a bit easier for them to find me now. Now tell me, these are the women we've been waiting for, then? They can dance in the dark? Oh, the wise one prefer your territory, sister, said Bridget. They believe in the unseen places where all things begin and end, and they know they can always carry a torch that makes it easy to see the truest shadows. But here you are, asking me all the questions as if you didn't prophesize all of this on your own. Oh, but Bridget, I like it when you tell it in your own sweet way. I've sensed these world changers have been flying in on a new wind. It's blowing fresh seeds to ancient ground. Everything is becoming real to them now, said Bridget. Never have they needed it more or been more ready. All that freedom and innovation, all that distraction and suffering. They're learning to live their lives according to sovereign time. They're figuring it out. 
forgiveness, celebration, gratitude, desire, mortality, eternity too. Just then, a great gale blew the door open. Bridget and Moore's eyes narrowed, offended by the interruption. But then a look of reverence came over them both. One head so fair, one head so dark. They bent for a moment as a silver mist seemed to take over the pub. Oh, stop being so pious, sisters. For the love of all things green and growing, aren't we all equal in the eyes of Mother Earth? Who's going to sidle behind there and grab me a nip of whiskey? It was, of course, the Kalyak. The wisest and the oldest of the goddesses, the creator of the land itself, the most sovereign of otherworldly women. By my breast, stop looking so guilty. You deserve to be proud of yourselves and the work you've done. Don't go losing track of your own sovereignty just because some other sovereign soul walks into a room. You know better than to let go of your own magic just because a different wind of knowledge and experience comes blowing through a place. You're wiser than that. Start acting that way. And so both Bridget and Moore got up from their stools. Moore climbed to the highest shelf for the 25-year-old gold. Bridget pulled the pints like the pro she was. Slancha, they roared, and clinked their glasses with such force that it was clear the vessels themselves were divine. Smacking her lips, the Kalyak declared, The quest, my sisters, is to assure these worldly women that the work they've been doing, all this dreaming and remembering and imagining another way, is a truth they can live. They need to know it, in their cells, in their souls, that what they know and need is as real as the money in the bank and the hungry mouths at home, as real as the rings on their fingers or the divorce papers in the drawers or the stone in the churchyard, as real as the tribe who lived on their lands before their great-great-grandmothers were born, as real as the people who live around the block now, as real as the halls of power where the decisions get made. It's their task to do, but it's our privilege to walk beside them. The two younger goddesses immediately knew what their great gray companion was talking about. Bridget nodded. Ritual. Moore nodded. Oracle. Kayak grinned. Mineral. Again, they crashed their glasses together. Slancha. To your good health, my sovereign sisters and brothers. Cheers. Now, you'll have to read the book to find out what they meant by ritual, oracle, and mineral, and many of the other references throughout this little passage. Perhaps it's more fun for you simply to imagine what they mean. For now, just know there's a lot to be said about being grounded into both your personal spiritual practices and the rituals of daily living. The oracle part has to do with intuition and all I've learned from working with the symbols of the tarot over the decades. It's a lot less about fortune-telling and a lot more about having all these facets of human experience at your fingertips. When we learn to read the signs of the collective unconscious and nature itself, then we have access to entirely new ways of knowing. And mineral? Well, that's the connection to the earth, to the mother, to our shared home, of course. Just this morning, I was talking with a new colleague, and she's a coach who grounds her work in horse medicine. I'm a coach who grounds my work in story medicine. We both work one-to-one at the level of the human heart. And sometimes it can all seem too small and too intimate when there's that great big world out there to save. But, of course, it's not up to one person to save anything. The only work we can do is one heart, 
one story, one connection at a time. That's when we become one with that mineral world and start healing our planet. Now, I almost didn't tell you this story today because it seems to come from a different time. I was staying away from it because it already had its day there in that very last chapter of The Sovereignty Knot. But then that was a book that came out in February 2020. And to say that its day was swallowed up by months and years of disruption is a massive understatement. I also hesitated to tell it because it feels almost too hopeful. The conversations I've been having with colleagues and clients, with the women in my Heroines Knot community, are definitely lingering on the worry we have for what's coming next, for the sense that these systems we're creating for ourselves, that have been created for us over the decades and centuries, just aren't enough to hold us into the future. And yet, here we are today. We are creative beings who are here to create. And that means we imagine and craft and share and rest and repeat. And I know I can speak for myself that as those cycles keep spinning onward, it's easy to forget and move on too soon. But whatever we create, it becomes part of us, part of the soil, part of the granite, the foundation that supports all the other art and innovation and story and sense of being that comes after. We tend to forget about the vital importance of the ground beneath our feet, just as we forget about the vital importance of our fragile ecosystems and our shared environment, just as we forget the things that we create sometimes that deserve to be brought back, revitalized, and asked to speak to a new day. Of course, if you've been listening to Knotwork Storytelling over these last two seasons, over this last year of creative magic, you definitely wouldn't say that I'd forgotten about Bridget or Moore or the Kalyak. They're all part of my personal spiritual practice. And both Bridget and Kalyak have had entire episodes devoted to them. Moore, as I've come to know this face of the Moragon, is more of a shadowy presence coming in and out. But every time you've heard me mention Awenagat, that cave at Queen Maeve's royal complex at Rathcrohan, I'm invoking her spirit. To close this second season of Knotwork Storytelling, I was going to tell an entirely new tale, a trinity of goddesses. In the past 30 episodes that you've heard in 2022, you've met so many heroines, each with her own longing, her own sorrows, her own injustices, her own bravery, her own heart. There was so much commonality between all of these different tales that I realized I didn't need to bring three of the characters you've met this season into conversation. Not when I already had Bridget and Moore and the Kalyak sitting down together and raising their glasses. Because I do believe they are here in support of our health. It's whether you believe in them as deities and they are part of your spiritual experience, whether you know them to be powerful characters that live in the subconscious, whether you know them as figures of mythology who have inspired generations across the centuries, there's still power there. And each of these figures is a sovereignty goddess in her own right. That means that she was an embodiment of the land itself. She was always more than human, 
even if she was deeply engaged in the human world. When you're a sovereignty goddess, it's not about being some distant, remote, divine being. It's not really about being worshipped either. It's about being in relationship with the elements, with the people, with the ruler who is charged with keeping all things in balance. In the Irish tradition, the king, the sovereign, wasn't just some absolute ruler who had absolute power. He was partnered with the sovereignty goddess and was married to the land as an act of ultimate service. At its best, it strikes me that there was more responsibility than privilege in this role. So today, when sovereignty gets tossed around as shorthand for inviolable individuality in some kind of declaration that nobody is the boss of me, it's both tragic and laughable. It has never been about power over. It's power to and power with. Good, true success in this world is built on community and interrelationship. Whether we're talking about the health of ecosystems, the ways of Celtic goddesses and kings, or human beings in this modern age, isolation isn't an effective strategy for individuals or nations. It leads to all sorts of toxic delusion and abuses of power. Now, I've said this several times over the course of these two seasons, that though I love this book of mine, The Sovereignty Knot, I'm less and less excited about the term sovereignty since it's become so susceptible to misinterpretation. I think the word and its powerful sacred origins are worth the trouble, though, especially if it reminds us that we are all connected to the land and to one another, because clearly we need the reminders again and again. Plus, it's only when I go back to this book and open up the last pages that these goddesses, as they chose to come through, with all their wit and wisdom, get to emerge. It seems a little bit selfish and a little bit cowardly to hide them away just because I worry about being misunderstood as the political winds continue to shift. Ultimately, the reason I had to invite you into the bar with these three great women was that they breathe hope. In the three years since I finished writing The Sovereignty Knot, hope seems even more mythical and foreign. A global pandemic, worsening climate news, the continued threat of nationalist, fascist agendas, the racism and inequities that persist, guns in the schools, and, and, and. <sighs> We've never been through a collision of crises quite like this. But there's no such thing as the good old days either. To be human on this planet has always been to experience one calamity after another. And sunrise has always followed sunset. Spring has always followed winter, except for in those little ice ages. But life in some form has always sprung up after death. And the perceived blessings and the perceived curses always flow and follow in an endless cycle of history and herstory. So that hope that they bring, it's still necessary, more than ever. And we need feistiness and creativity and sacredness to get us through. We need to call out what's not working, like the patriarchy, like white supremacy, even as we ask everyone to get involved in being the change. Because toppling and repairing broken systems that have been particularly damaging to women and people of color is everyone's shared work, including the lads at the pub that Moore speaks so fondly of. 
Is this a strange direction for a podcast about storytelling to take? Aren't you here to hear about the old goddesses and the folklore? Well, I think you're also here because you're thinking deeply about what we're doing right now and what we will be doing in the future. Because we need these stories for strength. We need these stories to help us clarify our vision, to decide what we will not repeat, to decide what we do need to root into. I'll put this second season of Not Work Storytelling to bed now, just as the nights of Samhain settle upon us. This dark time of the year is a perfect time for stories. So remember, there are 29 episodes in the back catalog to explore. And there's that book to read. As I mentioned at the beginning, the Kindle edition is free on Amazon through Sunday, November 6th. And if you prefer not to send your dollars to that big corporate behemoth and would instead like to support an independent author who still happens to have a case of books in her basement due to that whole book tour thing being canceled in 2020, head over to marisagowdy.com. When you buy a book from me, I include a sovereignty note. It's a single tarot card reading just for you that will help you find your way with the archetypes of the princess, queen, and wise women that you meet in the Sovereignty Knot. The show will return at Imbolc the 1st of February with new stories and new guests and a return of some of our favorites too. And my door is open for new coaching clients. If you have a story that you wish to tell, if you have a new personal or professional project you're trying to wrap your heart and soul around, I would love to walk with you to be a soul friend along the way to help you see your own spirals of creative possibility and help you find form for them on the page or perhaps in a podcast. <laughs> for now, Slan August farewell and blessings and deep, deep gratitude more, big love for having been a listener of the show and continuing to be a supporter. I'm so excited to continue to walk with you. Thank you for listening to Not Work Storytelling. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform and do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story even if they've forgotten. You can find out more about my writing, my book, my courses, and how to work with me as a coach, as well as my online community, The Heroine's Knot, at marisagowdy.com. Follow the show on Instagram, at notworkpodcast, and join our listeners group on Facebook. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original people. Remember, Ancient stories are medicine for our modern maladies, and your stories can help heal the past, anchor us into the present, and create a more beautiful, sustainable future.